Friday, April 8th, and this is VOA's International Edition. I am Chinedua for in Washington. Coming up in the next half hour. A top U.S. general predicts significant battle ahead in Ukraine's southeast as Russia continues troop buildup. No, but there is a significant battle yet ahead down in the southeast, down around the Donbass, Donetsk region, where the Russians intend to mass forces and continue their assault. Australia accelerates plans to buy ultra-fast missiles due to growing threats by Russia and China. Australia also has plans to build its own next-generation missiles, including hypersonics under new defense projects. And the U.S. Senate confirms Ketanja Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court as the first black female justice. We'll have these stories and more next on International Edition. Stay tuned. U.S. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Marley, says Ukrainian forces have successfully managed to counter Russia's attempt to take Kyiv, but a significant battle is still ahead in the southeast of the country. The top U.S. general told lawmakers during a hearing that Ukraine is effectively using landmines in the conflict with Russia, forcing Russian armored vehicles into engagement areas where they are vulnerable to U.S.-supplied anti-tank weaponry. This is not an easy fight that they're involved in. First part of it is probably unsuccessfully waged here in the last six weeks. They've managed to defeat the Russian onslaught onto Kyiv, but there is a significant battle yet ahead down in the southeast, down around the Donbass, Donetsk region, where the Russians intend to mass forces and continue their assault. So I think it's an open question right now uh, how this ends. Uh, ideally, Putin decides to cease fire, stop his aggression, uh, and there's some sort of diplomatic intervention. But right now, that doesn't look like it's on the horizon, the immediate horizon. That's U.S. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Miley. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said the United States and 30 other countries were sending weapons to Ukraine and that the process will intensify. Blinken said the United States had already agreed to send Kyiv anti-aircraft systems, shoulder-head anti-tank weapons and armored vehicles. Blinken speaking to reporters at NATO headquarters in Brussels following a meeting of foreign ministers said there's a growing coalition of countries with Ukraine and against Russia. We have been individually as the United States and collectively as partners, more than 30 countries, providing to Ukraine the weapons and systems that we believe it can use most effectively and that it needs to push back against uh, Russian aggression. And we're not going to let anything stand in the way of getting Ukrainians what they need and what we believe can be effective. So we're looking across the board right now, not only at what we've provided and continue to provide, but whether there are additional systems that would make a difference uh, and that we could provide them. And we're doing that in close consultation with the Ukrainians, uh, as well as with uh, allies and partners. That's U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. Australia has accelerated plans to buy ultra-fast missiles years ahead of schedule because of growing threats posed by Russia and China. It is part of the ANCOS Security Pact among Australia, the United States and Britain. From Sydney, Phil Mercer reports. Under an updated timetable, Australian fighter jets would be armed with advanced US-manufactured air-to-surface missiles by 2024, three years earlier than planned. Its Navy frigates and destroyers would be equipped with Norwegian-made missiles by 2024, five years ahead of schedule. Australia also has plans to build its own next-generation missiles, including hypersonics under new defence projects. Both China and Russia have tested advanced versions of hypersonic missiles that can hit distant targets at such high speeds 
that they can't easily be intercepted by current military systems. The weapons can carry nuclear weapons. Some believe the United States needs to catch up in developing the technology. Republican Representative Mike Turner of Ohio told the Armed Services Committee that the U.S. is behind our adversaries, referring to Russia and China, Bloomberg reported. The report added that adversaries don't have to meet the rigorous standards set under the U.S. defense acquisition system or face public scrutiny over delays and failure. The Pentagon conducted its own successful tests last month, according to reports. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison said Tuesday the missiles were a key part of the AUKUS Security Alliance. Phil Mercer for VOA News, Sydney. Human Rights Watch and Mali's National Commission on Human Rights have called for an independent investigation into an alleged massacre of hundreds of civilians by government troops and suspected Russian mercenaries. After reports surfaced of the killing last month in the central village of Maura, Mali's military government said their forces there had killed 203, quote, terrorists, unquote. But witness accounts contradict the official version of those killed and offer some of the clearest evidence that Mali's military is working with Russian mercenaries, despite the military's denial. On a rooftop in Bamako Tuesday evening, a group of around 15 men sat together and spoke Fulani in hushed tones. They arrived that afternoon from the village of Mora in central Mali, where reports of killings by the Malian army and Russian mercenaries have been circulating since last week. They say they are here in Bamako to testify for a human rights organization. In the sparsely furnished living room in the house below, one man described how the killings began. He says helicopters arrived on the morning of Sunday, March 27th, and began shooting indiscriminately. He says white soldiers who spoke neither French nor English descended from the helicopters on the edge of town with a smaller number of Malian army soldiers and began sorting men into groups. For five days, town residents and those who were visiting for market day were seated on the ground under guard by the Malian and foreign soldiers, while witnesses say summary executions were carried out. Most residents of Mora and the surrounding villages are ethnic Fulani, a traditionally pastoralist ethnic group spread across West Africa, who have long accused the Malian army of unfairly targeting them during anti-terrorism operations. He says, they told us Wuli in Bambara. Wuli, we know that means get up. They chose another one. Hey, Wuli, get up. They made maybe 12, 15 people stand up. They made them get in a line. They brought them barely 100 meters away. They made them kneel. They had dug a big ditch. They made them put their hands on their heads. Then they killed them in front of everyone, even in front of our children, he says. Many governments have accused Mali's military government of working with mercenaries from the Wagner Group, a private Russian military company with alleged links to the government of Russian President Vladimir Putin. The Malian government denies the accusations, saying it only works with official Russian trainers. Both the Russian embassy in Bamako and President Putin have denied an official Russian military presence in Mali. VOA News, Bamako, Mali. A Turkish court has ended a case against Saudi defendants accused of murdering prominent journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Rights groups have condemned the action, which Ankara took as it seeks to repair diplomatic ties with Riyadh. Dorian Jones reports from Istanbul. An Istanbul court halted the trial and absentia of 26 Saudis accused in the death of Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi. The decision had been expected after prosecutors last week requested the trial be moved to Riyadh. 
for Turkish Justice Ministry backed the decision. Speaking outside the courthouse, Khashoggi's fiance Hatice Cengiz condemned the move. Yes, very disappointing, so unacceptable. I don't want to say that I will give up because what, what happened today in the court, Turkey gave up uh, from the struggle. Khashoggi, a critic of Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, was killed four years ago inside the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. With Turkey and Saudi Arabia regional rivals, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan took a leading role in the international outcry over the killing, strongly backing the Khashoggi case. In retaliation, an unofficial Saudi boycott of Turkish goods saw Ankara's exports to Riyadh plummet by 90%. The end of the Khashoggi case comes as Ankara seeks to mend ties with Riyadh as part of a broader regional reset, says Turkish presidential adviser Ilno Cevik. Turkey has been striving to improve its ties with many countries it is at odds with. It has done this with the United Arab Emirates. It is trying to do it with Egypt. It is trying to do it with Saudi Arabia. It, it has been doing it with Israel. We don't want to be at odds with our neighbors, with, uh, especially in the regional countries. International rights groups, Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch condemned the decision to move the case to Riyadh, saying there was no justice in Saudi Arabia. Doreen Jones of VOA News, Istanbul. Ethiopia's government has said it will carefully examine a scathing report by international rights groups that accuses its military and allied forces of gross rights abuses in the Tigray region. But it also poured doubt on the report which alleges ethnic cleansing, war crimes and crimes against humanity as having, quote, ethnic undertones, unquote, and being one-sided. Jerome DeWitt reports from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Through its Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Ethiopia issued a statement on report and said it will carefully examine the rights violation allegedly committed in western part of Tigray. The ministry said Ethiopia is committed to holding accountable all those responsible for violations of human rights and humanitarian law. It said an interministerial task force is expected to examine the report and will give it due consideration. But Ethiopia also criticized the joint report from Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch for only blaming the Ethiopian government for violations allegedly recorded in Western Tigray. The two rights groups released a detailed report on the situation in Western Tigray on Wednesday. According to the report, newly appointed officials of the area and authorities from neighboring Amhara region, acting with the acquiescence and possible participation of Ethiopian federal forces, systematically expelled several hundred thousand Tigrayan civilians from their homes using threats, unlawful killings, sexual violence, mass detention, pillage, forcible transfer and the denial of humanitarian assistance. The rights groups say the report is based on interviews with over 400 residents of Western Tigray. Kenneth Roth, executive director of Human Rights Watch, says Amara officials and security forces have engaged in a relentless campaign of ethnic cleansing to force Tigrayans in Western Tigray from their homes. He also blamed the Ethiopian authorities for denying the crime and failing to address it. The report also indicates the Amara forces have expelled ethnic Tigrayans from accessing their farmlands, homes and even humanitarian support. Unable to survive, said the report, many ethnic Tigrayans left the area. 
The report also covered the alleged Tekase River Bridge killing. Witnesses say Amara forces known as Zefano executed more than 62 grants in the town of Adigoshu in January 2021. The detailed report also found evidence of death in detention facilities across western Tigray and gang rape by security forces. In Wednesday's report, both Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch asked the Ethiopian government to bring all those implicated in the report to justice. They have also called on the government to release detainees in western Tigray, demobilize abusive forces operating there and make the region more accessible to humanitarian aid. Gelmodawit for VOA News, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. In other news, the Senate has confirmed Ketanja Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court, shattering a historic barrier by securing her place as the first black female justice and giving President Joe Biden a bipartisan endorsement for his efforts to diversify the court. Jackson was confirmed 53 to 47 with three Republican votes. She will take her seat when Justice Stephen Breyer retires this summer, rejuvenating a diminished liberal wing of the conservative-dominated court. Jackson will be just the third black justice after Thorgood Marshall and Clarence Thomas and the sixth woman. At her hearing last month, she told senators she would apply the law, quote, without fear or favor, unquote. For more on this story and other breaking news, visit our website at vonews.com. Remember to connect with us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Search for VOA Africa. You are listening to VOA's International Edition. I am Chinedua for in Washington. A study by the World Health Organization finds the number of confirmed COVID-19 cases in Africa to be a fraction of the true number of people infected by the coronavirus that causes the disease. Lisa Schlein reports for VOA from Geneva. A new analysis of the spread and the presence of asymptomatic cases of SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, finds infections in Africa skyrocketed from 3% of the population in June 2020 to 65% by September 2021. The WHO Regional Director for Africa, Machidiso Moiti, says the analysis of 151 studies reveals the true number of COVID-19 infections in Africa could be 97% higher than the number of confirmed reported cases. This suggests that more than two-thirds of all Africans have been exposed to the COVID-19 virus. And this compares to the global average where the true number of infections is about 16 times higher than the number of confirmed reported cases. In real terms, this means that in September 2021, rather than the reported 8.2 million cases, there were in fact 800 million infections. The World Health Organization confirms 11.6 million cases of COVID-19 on the African continent as of April 3rd, including more than 250,000 deaths. Given the new findings that the WHO acknowledges, the number of actual infections is likely to be much larger. Moiti says it is complicated to get accurate data in Africa because 67% of people with COVID-19 have no symptoms. She says that highlights the need to sustain high levels of routine testing and surveillance to stay ahead of the pandemic. With many social protection measures now being relaxed, it will become even more important to allow for tracking of the virus in real time and monitoring of its evolution. 
Our analysis is clear evidence of the continued significant circulation of the COVID-19 virus among the people on the continent. With this comes a heightened risk of more lethal variants that can overwhelm existing immunity. The WHO study finds exposure to the coronavirus rose sharply following the emergence of the beta and the delta variants. People who become ill with COVID-19 enjoy some degree of immunity. However, Regional Director Moiti says vaccination remains the best defense against infection, as well as adding a level of protection against newly mutating strains of the virus. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. It's the typical postcard image of Ghana, brightly colored wooden fishing boats bringing in the daily catch. But increasingly, this way of life is under threat as a new investigation finds Chinese vessels engaged in illegal fishing are hurting local communities and threatening the fishermen's way of life. Kate Bartlett reports from Johannesburg. China is the world's biggest fish producer and has the largest distant water fleet, more than 2,700 vessels, many of which engage in illegal, unreported and unregulated fishing in West Africa, according to a new report by the Environmental Justice Foundation, or EJF. EJF's chief operating officer, Max Schmidt, says some 90% of Ghana's industrial trawl fleet is actually owned by Chinese corporations using local front companies to register as Ghanaian, thereby circumventing the law. EJF has been monitoring Ghana's coastal waters for a number of years and has recorded frequent instances of illegal fishing by Chinese-owned vessels. The NGO estimates Chinese bottom trawlers catch some 2.35 million tons of fish a year in West Africa, accounting for 50% of China's total distant water catch and worth some $5 billion. The report finds Chinese vessels engaged in illegal fishing are depleting fish stocks, and Ghanaian workers on Chinese vessels also reported instances of physical abuse and poor living conditions. Local fishing communities pay a high price too, with 80 to 90% of fishers in Ghana reporting a decline in income in recent years. It's also affecting food security, says Schmidt. Illegal fishing and overcapacity in the Ghanaian trawl sector is having catastrophic impacts on coastal communities across the country. China has repeatedly denied any wrongdoing, with state media dismissing such allegations as Western propaganda and pointing to Chinese-funded developments, like a new fishing port complex in Ghanaian capital Accra that it says will greatly improve the working and living conditions for local fishermen. Kate Bartlett for VOA News, Johannesburg. Hello, I'm Kim Lewis. Join me and VOA's Carol Van Dam for a special edition of Press Conference USA. Our guest is Jan Eglin, Secretary General of the Norwegian Refugee Council. He offers his perspective and solutions on some of the world's most complex humanitarian crises, including the mounting crisis in Ukraine. Join us for PC USA this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. This is Science in a Minute. When looking at a likeness of the mighty Tyrannosaurus Rex, you can't help but be impressed with the beast's enormous imposing body, fierce face, and a mouth filled with razor-sharp teeth. But then you notice that the arms of this monster are so tiny in comparison that it's almost comical. 
Paleontologist Kevin Padian is often asked by his students at the University of California, Berkeley, why the arms of T-Rex were so short. Padian has released a new paper that suggests that the arms of the T-Rex may have shrunk through evolution as a form of protection. You see, T-Rexes hunted in packs. The paper proposes that as the pack devoured their fresh prey with such ferocity, there may have been a good chance that a member could get carried away and accidentally or purposely eat the arms of a pack mate. I'm VOA's Rick Pantaleo. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel, host of Encounter. Next up, our periodic U.S. politics update with veteran analysts John Fortier and Jim Kessler. They spar over U.S. policy to support Ukraine, isolate and punish Russia, the historic confirmation of the first black woman to the U.S. Supreme Court, and headwinds for Democrats in the run-up to the November midterm elections. That's Encounter this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. Hi, I'm Kim Lewis. Join me and a panel of journalists as we discuss the top stories of the week, including the discovery of bodies of civilians allegedly killed by Russian troops in Ukraine has sparked global outrage and calls for trials of the perpetrators, including Russian President Vladimir Putin. Join us for Issues in the News this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. international edition on the voice of america on behalf of the entire production team thank you so much for listening visit our website for in-depth coverage of world events and news 24 hours a day at voanews.com until next time i am chino in washington wishing you a great weekend Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. On March 21st, Secretary of State Antony Blinken declared that the Burmese military government committed genocide against the Rohingya minority. There is such a thing as a path to genocide. That's the groundwork for genocide. The fact that it is laid far in advance over years, even decades, through a steady process of dehumanization and demonization, said Secretary Blinken. The Rohingya, who had been an integral part of Burma's society for generations, saw their rights, saw their citizenship methodically stripped away. In 1962, the Burmese military staged a coup and soon thereafter began to demonize and persecute Rohingya and other ethnic minorities. The government stripped Rohingya of their citizenship, conducted campaigns of terror, rape and murder against them, and destroyed their communities, then forced them into camps for the displaced. There were strong parallels between events in Burma that historically led to genocide elsewhere, said Secretary Blinken. Rohingya were compared to fleas, to thorns, to an invasive species, just as Tutsis were compared to cockroaches and Jews to rats and parasites. And while today's determination of genocide and crimes against humanity is focused on Rohingya, it's also important to recognize that for decades, the Burmese military has committed killings, rape and other atrocities against members of other ethnic and religious minority groups. Reports of these abuses are widespread, they're well documented, they've occurred in states across Burma. 
the United States strongly supports the independent investigative mechanism for Myanmar as it collects, preserves, and analyzes evidence of the most serious international crimes in Burma. Even as we lay the foundation for future accountability, we're also working to stop the military's ongoing atrocities, press for the release of all those unjustly detained, support the people of Burma as they strive to put the country back on the track to democracy, said Secretary Blinken. The United States also continues to provide significant support to help meet the humanitarian needs of Rohingya and all affected by their persecution. Nearly $1.6 billion since 2017 for everything from shelter and education, specialized mental health and psychosocial support for the victims of trauma. The case files are growing. The independent investigative mechanism for Myanmar alone has collected more than 1.5 million items of evidence and information, including witness testimonies, documents, messages, photos, videos, geospatial imagery, social media pages, said Secretary Blinken. The day will come when those responsible for these appalling acts will have to answer for them. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. This is the voice of America. Washington, Papa.